Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How was your New Year? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was okay. I know you did. No, it was great. I had a great show. I played New Year's Eve at the Paramount, which I've been doing for the last six or seven years now. And um, for the first time, it really hit me like, oh, these people that are here, we're like part of a family. Like, I just looked out in the audience and saw some folks that come to my Monday shows that are there every Monday. And I realized, oh, they're dressed up and they're celebrating New Year's with me because I'm part of their like family. Right. It it's a weird thing. I've never really thought about it like that. And something about it just clicked where it's like, oh, these people have been listening to this music for maybe twenty years, maybe fifteen years. But even if they got started with lovely creatures, um, that's twelve years. So they've like I've been part of their lives for that period of time. And now they're here to celebrate this new year that's about to start. And I don't know, it just hit me for some reason. No, I was like, it's cool. Isn't that one of the coolest things about being a songwriter is that isn't like the big hope isn't money, even though that's a big part of living or recognition, which is a big part of feeling validated. But really, it's just that like you hope these songs find their way into people's lives in a meaningful way. That's like really all you hope for, you know? I've never thought about it. I've always just like, oh, this is something I can do. And originally it was like, oh, this is something I can do that might get me laid. And then it was like, oh, I can actually make money and get laid and get drugs and get free drinks. I'm in. And I just kind of went from there. And then I started doing it and I'm I'm like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. And then so I'm just doing it and then... Like, I play a lot in Texas, so I'm like, well, I better have new songs if I'm playing here all the time. So I just made myself write a lot of stuff. You never you never thought about how you connect to a Tom Waits record and that maybe someone might feel that way about the records you're making? You never I thought about that with Lonely Land? I don't think that way. I really don't. I'm always what are you? A, are you a demon? No, no. I'm just not that smart, maybe. I just don't think that way. Like... I'm reading that book by David Byrne. uh, The book about music? How music works. Right. And the thing that's so incredible in that book is how aware he is of what he's doing. Like, even though he might be be a little bit on the spectrum uh, personality-wise, like he might, I think he even maybe says that he might be a little autistic, like a little, have a little touch of Asperger's. Um, which is, I think, why he kind of comes across as kind of like being a weirdo. 
even though I don't think he is, like when you read his writing, he's just so I, f- I feel like smart. that's that's the new thing. Anytime anyone's a little weird, you're like, eh, I think they're on the spectrum. Or like well, we, I, we deal I, with I, it with our kid, because like anytime your kid does something weird, it's like, uh-oh, they might be on the n- spectrum. Yeah, but when you meet somebody that is on the spectrum, you're like, oh, yeah, that person's definitely on the spectrum. Because they they don't read social cues very well, even though they're really – and they're like flat affect. And I'm kind of flat affect a Uh-oh. little bit. With, we got a little Bob, Bobby on the spectrum somewhere? I don't know. It's I just suddenly – it suddenly become cover for all the assholes in no, the world. No, no. I don't think I am on the spectrum. I think with me, it was a matter of like survival. When I was a babe, when I was like a toddler, I had to learn how to shut the feelings down and pretend I wasn't having feelings. So I had to grind them down. And, uh, and that just carried into my adult life and I didn't even realize I was doing it until a few years ago when I was at group and people were like dude you you have this like serious resting bitch face and I'm like I do and they're like yeah it looks like you're just mad right now I'm like no I'm like feeling all these feelings like I'm having this feelings party inside my head and they're but like you got well, the thousand yards trans- you got the thousand yard stare upstairs that's what's happening yeah it's not translating onto your face so i have to like make myself now when i'm meeting people i, I have to like the terminator you know how like the terminator <laughs> has all these little options inside their head yeah. and i'm like smile you must smile at these people do, you, do you remember that season of touring we were having i don't remember when it was or why we did this but we were like you know what we're going <laughs> to Let's try to smile more on stage. And it would be me and you on stage, like yeah. paint, painting our face into this fucking oh. macabre smile. And then I'd like catch you doing it or you'd catch me doing it. But, but I, remember, I would genuinely smile. No, I was trying to smile. Because that shit was funny. I, well, I was trying to, but. You trying to smile made me smile well, real hard. Like genuinely well, because, smile, because I, that shit was not looking comfortable. I don't know if you ever you. feel this way, but I get bored on stage a lot. And so, not. I mean, I'm happy to be there, and I'm engaged in what I'm doing, and I'm listening to the other musicians, blah blah blah. But you can the 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 levels of autopilot would tr- truly shock the average music listener for what's going on in our heads up there. Dude, I'm singing the songs, and I'm not. I'm like thinking <laughs> not, about like, oh man, what do we got? Like three more days left before. Like I'm just having this whole conversation in my head while I'm singing and playing guitar. I know, but. And, I know. I, I have the same deal, but sometimes I'm, I'll just like, I look at the crowd just because there's nothing else to do. And I'm like, well, I'll just look oh, at everyone. I'll just look at everyone. Don't do that. Whatever you do, don't ever look at the crowd. But the thing that happens is they're looking at you too, and then they smile at you because they're, they're, they're human beings. <laughs> they're people. They're more human than we are. It, dude, I'm, I'm like you were mentioning, just <laughs> the nub, a nub, a blood nub. Right. But I'm like, well, they're, they're looking a blood at, nub. They're, good night, Tarkon. We are blood nub. <laughs> but they're looking at me and they smile at me and their smile is so sweet and they're just really having a good time and they like what we're doing. And I just try to like pull the like a marionette, like pull my face into a smile. And it feels so weird to do, but I'm trying yeah. to do it for them. Right. And for me. Whatever. No, I, I get No, I understand it. I get it. So, uh, what do, why do we even go down this road? I don't what was know. our original plan? You wanted happy to talk New about Year? happy new. You wanted to talk about the oh Golden yeah, Globes. you were yeah. So I was talking about the show, and I just felt this sense of connectedness and family. And I was like, oh yeah, this is 
we're all like I'm their dude and they're my dude dudettes. You guys are whatever. going steady, yeah. And uh I just hit me and I just treated them not like, oh, I have to entertain you guys because you paid your money. I was like, no, let's like we're family. And that's how I proceeded with the show. And it had a a really relaxed flavor to it that I don't normally have unless it's like at the Saxon on Monday nights where I really just don't give a shit at all. But at the Paramount Theater, which is a pretty historic theater and it's a pretty nice place. And it's a good size venue. I usually tend to get a little nervous or like I just want the show to be really good. And this was like, ah, it doesn't have to be good. This this is my family. So they're going to accept me no matter what I do. And it just really relaxed me. And then I, I had a really good time. And I think the people there had a great time. I think that's a really cool epiphany. Yeah, it was cool. I, I mean, I hope I can keep carrying that through and, you know, kind of remember that more. You'll so. be... <laughs> You'll be doing the crowd punishment portion of the Saxon show uh, this coming Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it seems like crowd punishment, but really what it is it's it's me like okay, I'm gonna try some comedy bits here, and I don't know what they are because I don't know what I'm gonna do, so I'm just gonna start digging for comedy, and we'll see what happens. And the, sometimes that turns into audience punishment. I I I'm luck, real lucky, and because I'm not an artist, so most of it doesn't follow me. I don't get nervous very much before shows, and I've done several of those Paramount shows with you. I always look at them as just a fucking good time. I've just had a good time at every one of those. The only time I got a little nervous was whatever year it was that you wanted us all to sing a verse of 1999 by Prince. And you've got, got really, you've got really good singers in your band, like Bruce Hughes. And I was like, I mean, I can sing okay. People who've heard my music, whatever. Some of them like it, some of them don't. doesn't matter. But I was like, I can't sing this fucking song in front of a couple thousand people. I'm probably going to be a little tipsy. I just can't do it. That's the only time I ever got nervous. Well, yeah. I mean, I understand that. Anytime I'm doing anything different that I don't normally right. do. That's when it happens. I really get nervous. Like, I mean, I'm a shy person, so... You really are a shy... I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that of that peeled-back layer. You are a pretty shy person. Yeah. I mean, I, I went into music originally because there was no way in a thousand hells that I was going to walk up to some lady at a bar and introduce myself. Good God. I remember the first time you and me went to a bar when I first met you, mm-hmm. and you would walk up and talk to any, you would go up and talk to the hottest girl in the club, like nonchalantly, no problem, and be her best friend in like two minutes. And I was just like, oh my God, how does he do this? Because well, I'm just like, I am a monster. <laughs> I mean, and it comes across like it does not. It's and the, and the only time I don't have that is right when I get off stage and I have this sort of like superpower that lasts for fifteen or thirty minutes, right? And then it wears off, and then I'm, I am the hunchback of Notre Dame. It is true. Like if you if they just saw you with a guitar in your hands, <clears throat> your superhero level is quite higher than if you're coming in coming in dry with the. Hey, what's your deal? I tell you the magic question, and this is for dudes or chicks, is you look them in the eye and say, what's, what's your deal? What's up with you? Where, where are you from? What do you do? Like, I've had people tell me, like, man, the first time I ever met you, you just sort of really looked at me and asked, asked me what my deal was. 
Like, no, people don't do, especially in Nashville where I live, there's a lot of fucking glad handing and a lot of bullshit uh, smoke being blown up everyone's ass all the time because it's a small town and everyone here thinks that whoever they're going to meet at a party can, like, can save their their horrible careers. So it's rare that someone will actually look at you and ask you a question and listen to the answer. That's just something that seems rare across the board now. What's What's that vibe like in Austin? When you do summon the courage to talk to people. I, I wasn't listening to anything you were saying. So what's your looking, deal? Oh, looking, really? So really, what's your deal? I was deal? looking at the Golden Globes. All right. All right. That's cool. Like, that. what's your deal? That sounds great. Like, right now, there's, I'm sure. You don't have to pretend like, to think it's great. And I think there's an 18-year-old listening to this right now going, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do next time. Or 55-year-old guy. I'm going to try that next time. But here's what happens when you get into a, a, a an environment um, where there's, it feels like there's a lot at stake. It's not that easy to just go up and say, what's your deal to some super hot person? It's hard. And you, for some reason, maybe you've just told yourself the stakes are low or something and you don't give a shit somehow, but I've seen you do it where you just go up and it's not just what's your deal. You're just up there chatting with them. Kind of like, I guess there is, like, there's no stakes, whereas for me, it's like, do or die. Like, I have to have this person like me in order for me to survive as a species. Like, that is all on the line. And with you, you're just like, eh, I'm likable, and they're going to like me, so I'll just say whatever the fuck I want, and everything will be fine. Well, part of it is just, yeah, I mean, I guess it's that simple, but... I just think if I'm really honest with them and they give me a second and I can get in there and make them laugh a little bit, why wouldn't they like me? Yeah, I know. But you have you almost have the opposite. Why would they like me? Not because oh, you're you're yeah. a good looking guy, you're talented, uh, and you're fucking funny, and your perspective on the world's unique. You still think, oh, well, why would they like that? And I usually just immediately start dismantling the wagon. As soon as right. I'm there, I'm like <laughs> taking the wheels off the wagon immediately. Well, saying we live the here most now. Horrible, yeah. the yeah. most horrible shit. And they're like, "What is going on?" They're like, "He they're asked, like, he asked get me away from me. He asked you me how crazy my, person. He asked me what my deal was, and then he immediately deconstructed his entire life. He's back. <laughs> no, he's I'm doing just, he's primal screaming at age three now. I'll just say the most fucked up. I like start making AIDS jokes or something. Yeah, you can't lead off with that. I do no, know that you much. can't because. Stuff, yeah. So, and it's really, it's just me being afraid. Like, I'm afraid, so I'm like, okay, let me say some real fucked up shit. Find out where this person is on the... Uh, yeah, you want to find the it's line. It's cool, it's not cool spectrum. <laughs> right. and, and usually what happens is I just push them right off the ledge, right off the bat. I'm like, well, I guess I know where the line is, and now it's time to move forward. Or actually, I think I'll just go home now. Alone, I, I but you know you, you haven't seen a lot of the misses though because when we're on tour you don't go out with us so I've had a few nights with the band I had a night in Chicago in particular at a karaoke bar where this black chick hated me got real mad at me I was like on tables singing Prince and shit and she ended up telling me she was a vampire and wanted to kill me that really <laughs> that really happened <clears throat> that's why I don't go out by the way. So I don't meet vampires like, who want to kill like me. On the way out of there, back to the bus, I made like my last volley with her because I just hated the <laughs> fact that she was so mad at me. And right. I, was, I was like, "Hey, listen!" Like, I was I was just being funny. I wasn't trying to. And she growled at me like a like a like a lion. 
Wow. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to split. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm... I, see, you don't see those things. No, I don't. Yeah, I just don't do any of that. You know what's funny about how I justified it, too? I was like, well, she obviously wasn't at the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, of course. Of course she wasn't. Because if she was at the show, this would not be happening to me. Yeah. I remember back in the day, we were doing a show... And um, who was it? Was at the it was at Antone's and uh, this, who was it? Charlize Theron. Oh no, it was, was Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger was at the show. She loved me that night. And uh, and somebody was like, "Oh yeah, Renee Zellweger's really into your guitar player." And I'm like, "What the? F- Don't tell me, fuck you, b- motherfucker." I'm like, I'm the goddamn star. She should be into me, not my fucking skinny ass, good looking guitar player. She, Motherfucker. But see, here's any any women who like us at our shows, famous or otherwise, when they don't like you first, my assumption is like, they just don't think that they could land it with you. And I'm just like the next in line. I don't think they see it. I don't know. I no, did share a, I, you know I shared a I, moment no, with her that night, though. No, she likes guitar players because she's dating a guitar player. Oh, she's okay. dating uh, Dole Bramble Jr. Oh, wow. Well, he's quite a bit better than me. She She did better than me for that. Uh, he's he's no joke dude all right let me tell you this quick anecdote <clears throat> and i think you've heard the story before but when i was like 25 26 i was doing my first touring out in los angeles and uh i'd been out there before i think just to visit but this was like first time i was there to work i thought it was really cool and i was with my band and we went into a starbucks somewhere in west hollywood and i'm in line and this this isn't some cool little boutique coffee shop this is fucking starbucks and a friend of mine was like, dude, look over there. And it was Renee Zellweger sitting across, and I'm not making any of this up, sitting across from a tarot card reader who was laying <laughs> out tarot cards, I guess reading her fortune, and mm. she was openly sobbing and weeping mm. in Starbucks. And uh, Was this before or after the, the work that was done on her face? I don't remember. I don't. I haven't delineated her face into those two into the well, at before one point and after I knew, the pearl of great price. Well, at one point I knew what she looked like, and now I don't know what she looked like. If you were to say do a sketch of her, I'd be like, I'd do a sketch of like Bradley Cooper without facial hair, and I'd be like, I think that's what she looks like now. I don't know. Uh, she looked like Renee Zellweger to me because we were all like, that's yeah, Renee well, Zellweger, probably pre. Um. <clears throat> anyway, that was like my first like. L.A. celebrity sighting, and it was that. And I thought, it made me really sad. Things must be must have been in a tough spot to be <laughs> meeting your tarot card expert at a public Starbucks and crying in public. Well, here's what I know for 100%. That wasn't Renee Zellweger. <laughs> for sure. You know what? Hey, now, was, that I, right. now that I think about it, I think it was Tom Arnold, actually. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into something because uh, when this co- I, I want to talk about it now because um, by the time I, I don't know I think this comes out before the Golden Globes, but I want to talk about the Golden Globes. The Golden I'm, Globes. I got a bone to pick with this is a I'm I'm not okay. You're not okay. We got a bunch of emails too, by the way. Well, we'll get to them. All we'll right. get to them. But okay. let's talk about the Golden Globes because here's the thing. All right, so Golden Globes, I feel like, usually gets things kind of better than 
the Academy. Yeah. But something's been going on the last couple of years where it's starting to get real fucked up. Okay. I don't know who's, like, somebody's blowing somebody now. Oh, you, that's you, the first you, time that's happened in Hollywood? No, but do you, do you know how the Golden Globes work? Do you, do you, do you understand how Is it the, the for, Hollywood works? Foreign Press? It's the Hollywood Foreign Press, so it's a small group of people. It's and you gotta, under- you basically, you basically have to go on a campaign and woo these people. Right. I want to say it's like under a hundred people that vote. So it's a small group of people. They're all, yeah, it's the Hollywood Foreign Press, and you'd go on this junket where you have to show up, uh, spend a lot of money, um, go from room to room, like in a big hotel, and talk and do interviews with all these press people. And then if you do that, then you'll get nominated. And if you don't, I think usually they'll just tell you to go fuck yourself. But I just looked at the nominations. Uh, these are the nominations for Best Motion Picture, if you can possibly believe it. Okay. A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk. Now, the That's only it? movie I, I haven't seen, If Beale Street Could Talk, and I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but I can't imagine Bohemian Rhapsody's any good. And I have no idea what if Beale Street could talk, but it sounds like a, a movie uh, based in with music or something. Bohemian so Rhapsody is it. Bohemian Rhapsody is great. Black Panther was one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Well, I liked Black Panther. You like, but you like those movies. I don't like those movies if oh. you're talking about superhero movies. But I did like Black Panther. Now, would I call that the best motion picture of the year? Fuck no. Was it like an enjoyable hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes? Fuck no. Yes, no. absolutely. Star is Born, I couldn't make it through. Black Klansman was barely watchable. Is that the Spike Lee film? That's the Spike Lee film. <clears throat> I haven't seen it. So anyways, but here's what wasn't nominated. My favorite movie of the year. Eighth grade? W- eighth grade. Yeah. Not nominated at all in the entire Golden Globes, never mentioned uh, the girl who was the lead should have been nominated for Best Actress, for sure. She was incredible. But I will say, anyway, she should have been nominated for Best Actress. She wasn't. I think the the woman who's going to win for Best Actress is the woman in uh, The Favorite. Um, what's her name? Do you know who I'm talking Have you seen The Favorite? No. I, I had a really low I had a really low point year. For people who know me, and you know this about me, is I'm incredibly invested in and interested in films and shows. And I just had a, I was really busy this year with work and my publishing deal and my kid. And I just wasn't able to watch a lot. So I, I'm going into Oscar season and golden globes feeling like shit. Cause I don't, I don't have a lot of context for a lot of this stuff. Well, and I, and I feel like it was a shitty year for film. Well, if this is any, any indication, it was definitely a shitty year because, like, for instance, okay, Olivia Coleman, uh, she was the actress in The Favorite. She played the queen, the crazy queen, and she is an amazing actress that I really didn't know anything about, but it turns out she's, like, Britain's favorite TV actress. She's been in everything, and I'm going through now and watching all this stuff that she was on over okay. the last 20 years. What has she been in that I would know? Uh, nothing. Okay. Like n- nothing. She was in a, a series called Broadchurch. She was in another series called Flowers. I mean, she's been in a bunch of shit, but it's all like BBC shit that you don't watch. So, uh, she's amazing. She, sh- she should win. Like it should be between her and that, um, the, the girl from eighth grade, but, uh, with Olivia Coleman taking the 
the prize just because she's incredible. But the girl from eighth grade was amazing. Now, the other person that wasn't nominated, and I just don't know what the fuck is going on, is Timothy Shal. Is it Tim Timothy Chalamet? Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, he guy. was in. He was in Call Me by Your Name. That was not Call Me by Your Name. Year. Yeah, and he's in a movie called A Beautiful Boy. And the movie was only okay, but his performance was incredible. And the fact that he's not nominated is just—he was nominated bizarre. for an Oscar last year for Call Me by Call Me by Your Name was pretty good. Did you see that with Army Hammer? He was incredible in that. He's—he's he's one of those guys that's good in everything. He was in Hostiles, and he had like three lines, and he was mesmerizing. He was in Eighth Grade, and he mm. had like one line, and he was incredible. That's like uh, there are two performances. I don't know if you—I know you'll know one, but the first I'll mention is the more serious one: the Viola Davis in the movie Doubt with Philip Seymour Hoffman. She's only in it for like five minutes, was nominated for an Oscar. Did you ever see Doubt with Amy Adams, Meryl Streep? He plays the priest accused of molesting a kid. Yeah, that was <clears throat> boring. Oh, I thought it was fucking incredible. I mean, to, to be able to see Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep on the screen together. All right, secondly, uh, Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross. The, oh, the You Must Close speech. One of the greatest performances ever caught on film. I recently rewatched his um, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. He's been on it a couple times. I watched it with my parents. How good is that? Have you seen the that? one where he the one where he's telling the story like from like when he was on stage yeah. twenty years ago like playing, playing the, the gay, gay guy. guy? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that guy is. Uh, do, do you wear leather? Like I, I love that stuff, dude. It's so I'm good. I'm so glad. But yeah, just the way he told that story, I was like, ah, I just want to be friends with this guy I know. so bad. He gets a bad. Remember when that video, the answering machine message came out, where he called his kid a pig and shit. Yeah, that was pretty rough press for him. Can you imagine having shit like that out in public? Well, here's what I know about that dude, or what is he just seems like a real person. And guess what? When your daughter's 13 or that age, they're horrible, supposedly. You have to give people permission. I've, I've been telling people this. <clears throat> you have to give people permission. You have to give yourself permission to be annoyed by your own kid. Like, you love them. I mean, my daughter is easily the most important person in my life, and I'll fucking kill anyone, including people in my own family, to protect her. However, she annoys me sometimes. It happens. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine calling my daughter a me, pig. Well, me but neither. I don't it's know what, what led I don't know what led up to it. And uh I I I don't. Um uh, and to be as funny as Alec Baldwin is, you have to have some darkness. And so there's some real darkness and anger that obviously was welled up, like was stirred up either through his ex-wife or by his daughter. And uh, the thing that came out was your fucking pig. Hey. <laughs> and, and, he, and he paid the price for it. Let's, let's here in our last few minutes uh, read a quick email before we split. All right. Now you all can right. email so, us. Did, but did, all right. Did, does everybody understand that I'm disgusted by the Golden Globes? Like it really, well, really, they, they shit the bed this year. Well, maybe we'll continue the dis- discussing film culture and the Golden Globes uh, now on, on next week's episode. All right. All right, it's Bob and Clint at gmo.com. We've gotten a bunch of emails now. They're starting to pile up. We're going to read them on the show, and we'll talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. And I don't really pre-read these or censor these, but this one's from Mariano Reynoso. The subject is fun. He says, he or she says, you bitches are crazy. I love the podcast. How did you guys meet? Clint, what's your background? Where'd you grow up? Feliz Navidad. How did we meet? Do you remember well, how we met? 
I know exactly how we met. Um, I was playing a gig in, I think it was Carmel, California, for some. It was the weird film fest. Film fest, yeah. and you were playing with uh, Griffin House, and uh, I just remember just being like amazed by how good you sounded and how good that band sounded. And, uh, and I got your number and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, let me get your number. And, uh, and you gave it to me and then we met up later and we had sex and then, uh, I got AIDS and then I died. Well, there was no con. Yeah. We didn't do the condom. The story's we a little, have, we should have used <clears throat> the condom and thanks for telling me that you had AIDS. Anyways, I'm <laughs> over it now. The story's a little bit more fun than that, although there okay, are things well, about it that maybe I don't, aren't. Remember, I don't remember anything except for that we were at. We were doing a co-headline, and you and Griffin knew each other, but we didn't really know you guys. And right. so we were sound checking, and we met you guys, I believe, after sound check. And we were on this tour. We were just drunk, little laughing freemen, little little princes of the earth. And uh, during your set, which was the first time I'd really heard any of your music, we loved it. We thought it was like. Super eclectic and fun. You guys were doing like Bombonaza and stuff. And on Bombonaza, we just decided to come out on stage and we were just, I didn't know Conrad at the time, but we just grabbed a bunch of his percussion shit. We were just like playing percussion. I don't know if you remember that. We were like on stage. I don't ever look back. And then during your I just assumed he was he was he was playing with his penis. During your your show, we went on your bus and stole all the booze on your bus. (laughs) Because I didn't think I'd ever see you guys again. We I don't. Were, I don't drink, so I don't. Like, we were I'm literally like, none of that matters to me. We were literally on your bus, like pocketing your wine, and we were like, "Fuck these guys." <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, you we happened to be in the same hotel, which is crazy because we all could have stayed anywhere. I guess maybe if you played that film festival, they put the artists up somewhere. But I saw I you. Mean, the, that, I that saw place you, is the size of a postage stamp. The whole town. Well, Clint so. Eastwood's the mayor. For those of you who don't want to contextualize Carmel, but. I saw you in the lobby, and that was when you were like, hey, you you ever wanted to whatever, we exchanged numbers. But then I didn't hear from you for like a long time, maybe seven or eight months before you finally called and asked me to come do a tour with you. And there was no rehearsal, and you, I, just, I had to just learn all of your songs because you never sent me a set list because you don't make them. And not only that, but I sent you a list of songs to learn, and then every show of that tour, I played at least two or three songs a night that you'd never heard before until you were on stage with me. No, I had to learn how to... I learned a lot on that first tour. And every song, I looked back and asked Conrad, is this 2002? Is this 2002? (laughs) I thought every song was 2002. And none of them were. We didn't play Until you were convinced it wasn't 2002, and then that was the time it was. Well, that's a good way to go out here on this lovely, beautiful episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Yeah, and uh, keep sending us emails and we'll we'll answer them as we get them. It's bobandclint at gmail.com. Also, check out Clint's podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast, a podcast about all things Metallica. But, as always, you don't need to be into Metallica to enjoy it. Um, it's very uh, fun uh, to listen to. So check that out. Check out my podcast, um, Bob Schneider Song Club. Also on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Anything else? Uh, I was going to say, uh, it helps us a lot if you go and leave us a positive review on iTunes. Yeah, it, and also spread, like, tell, if you like this, tell somebody that you know, hey, check this out. You might like it. And that'll help, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get All out right. of here. All right. Bye. All right.
Bye.